festivals designate special times for celebration, don't they? That's what the word means, a designated special time for celebration. That's a festival. And uh, as Pastor Bish called to your attention, today in the United Methodist Church, we celebrate the festival of the Christian home. That's been on our denominational calendar for decades. And it's been combined with Mother's Day because of the significance of the Christian home, the role of the Christian woman and man in creating a Christian home. Now, hearing home described as a festival may cause some of you uh, to say, well, Dennis, not a festival, but maybe a circus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what circus means? A circus is defined as a situation or event that is very busy, lively, and confusing and attracts a lot of attention. Across the years, the Hummel Home has been a festival and a circus, let me tell you. The part of Paul's letter that you're going to hear me read in just a moment was written to uh, the church at Ephesus, and this portion of the letter is going to describe the fullness of God in the church, the fullness of God in the church. Now, we need to realize that because the church is people, it's not this architectural style, though we use the style to designate a church, the real church is the people. And so because the church is people, the people of God, the homes of the people of God should have his fullness also. God's fullness is not contained between the walls of a building. God's fullness is in the minds and hearts of people who love his ways, respond to the Holy Spirit's desire in their life to combine what they say and do in worship and Sunday school and believers' fellowship with what they do in their homes. God save your son is the unlimited Lord. And when his spirit establishes the truth of Christ in us, the result is an awareness that life is from him and through him and to him. So the glory of the church, as we're going to hear Paul write, the glory of the church is wherever you are. The glory of the church is wherever you are. Because wherever you are, there's the church. So we turn now to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you, 
according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want to suggest something before I move into the main presentation of my sermon this morning. There is a danger in what I'm going to be preaching to this congregation at 8 o'clock. We are all the, the seniors, or most of us are the seniors around here. And the danger is that any one of us might think, well, what the pastor is saying is good or it's okay, but it doesn't apply to me because my kids are raised. Do you have grandchildren? Do you have great-grandchildren? Do you have a young person that you're concerned about? If so, and more, then it applies to you. And I'm going to be so daring today as to suggest you take the pen out of the guest card holders in your pew and you take some notes, especially of the many scriptures that I'm going to give you because they are about child rearing and they are very, very important. You might want to pass them on to someone in your family. Here's some scriptures you ought to look at as a, as a parent. Here are some scriptures you ought to, ought to talk about with your spouse and understand what they mean. And I'm using this moment to say that to you because as your pastor and friend, I believe that there is no greater need than for Christ to be Lord of your home. I don't believe you have any greater need than to have Jesus Christ as the Lord, the one in charge of your home. Listen carefully. Government changes. Society changes. But God and children have not changed since he has given his inspired word centuries and centuries ago. There has been no change in the word of God and the needs of children have not changed. Our churches and homes must deal with what is unchanging. We are at a point in history where it is critical for us as the church to understand and know and apply what is unchanging because there is so much in transition around us. Is there anything that can be an anchor? Is there anything that can be a fixed point for us? Absolutely there is. And that is the word of God. God created families. Parents are God's appointed representatives 
in the home. Nothing is more important than keeping your family together and keeping it strong. Long, long ago, there was a fellow whose name was Plato. You've heard of him. Some of you have studied him. Plato said this, so relevant for this very moment in our nation's history. The saga of a nation, the saga of a nation is really the saga of the family written large. I am really worried about the future. We see many, many misdirected young people. And we lament that. We talk about that. I hear your discussions in your, in your groups about what is this world coming to? Well, that's a good question. What is it coming to? It's not coming to Christ. So where's it going? And I've come to the conclusion that if you think this generation is bad, if you think we've got problems with this current generation, then wait until they have children and grandchildren. And it's going to be really, really bad. Now, God said something about that long ago. In fact, what he said is found in the Ten Commandments. And I want to take you back to the 20th chapter of Exodus and remind you of what God said in Exodus 20, uh, verse 5. If we do not follow his commandments, his teachings, if we are not paying close attention to the word of God, uh, this is what God said will happen. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He wants our devotion. He wants our attention. He wants his word to be the dominant priority word in your home. He said, I am a jealous God. Look at this. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers, the failure of the fathers. I am visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. The Bible's clear that the word of God must be brought to bear in our homes. And if it's not, God becomes very jealous because he wants his word to be the priority consideration in your home. He wants his word to be the word that defines who you are as a family what you do as parents. And so I'm saying to all three of our worship times this day, parents, prioritize your children. Prioritize your children. Teach and model Christian ethics, values, and principles. Feed and nourish your children spiritually. Many of us are here this morning because parents or grandparents or a loving adult imparted something we can't get away from. 
Sunday morning is just not right. It's just not Sunday morning if we're not in worship. God's word is ingrained in us. It has been since we were kids and we are drawn to the body of Christ, the church. God gives parents to raise children. That's so simple. You want to go, duh. Let me add to that. God gives parents to raise children, not the government, not the schools, not the church. He gives parents to raise children. Do you know that recent studies comparing the amount of time spent training children with the amount of time spent training animals show that animals are given more attention than children. I see it all the time in my neighborhood. We have many walkers in our neighborhood. I see people coming down my sidewalk, pushing a stroller with one hand and holding the leashes of three dogs in the other and paying more attention to those darn dogs than to the child in the stroller. There's something very, very wrong about that. No child, no child should have to guess whether their parents care about God's word. The glory of God is seen in his people as they reveal his truth. That's what Paul said to the Ephesians. We didn't read the verse, but let me call your attention to verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God must be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now we're going to look at some very important scriptures And I want you to listen carefully, but I also want you to hear clearly. I want you to listen carefully and to hear clearly. God's word tells us love is demonstrated by discipline. God's word tells us love is demonstrated by discipline. If you do not discipline your child, you do not love your child. Now, I take no credit for that statement. That's right out of God's word. Here it comes. It's Proverbs 13, 24. Write it down. Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates 
his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. He who loves him disciplines him promptly. Children need to learn and understand what yes and no mean at a very early age. When they are starting to understand, it's absolutely critical. At the earliest stages of life, psychologists tell us that the personality is essentially set by age three or four. So when the child is in the toddler stage, it's especially important that the yes word be learned and the no word be learned. You can't leave it. You can't leave it until they're in their, have reached age 10 or they're into their teens. It's much too late. Look at Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. Ignore the child. Let him go. Oh, he has to have self-expression and, and he has to be creative and he has to be allowed to be imaginative. Absolutely he does, but within guidelines, but with direction, with purposeful love and care. You ought to hear some of the stories that, that uh, uh, come out of the preschool that we have here, the things that we see all we have to have is a child with us for a couple of days and we can tell you what kind of home they come from. And we start them here at three years of age. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. 15. Look at this one. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I'm the father of five children. I worked hard at being a dad. That was the most important part of my life. I've told you that before. Nothing was more important to me than being God's man to my kids. And I got to tell you, I'm very proud of my young adult children. But I also have to tell you, and I think most of you know this, that I didn't have to teach my kids to get an attitude. I didn't have to teach them when they were, when they were toddlers to have a tantrum. I never, had to, I never had to teach them to cheat or to fight and argue with one another. Never had to do that. Where did that come from? Must have been Pat's side of the family. <laughs> you know where it came from? The same place my problems come from, my sin nature. Those precious little babies, when they're born and we, we hold them in our arms and, it, and it's so wonderful to have them there, we got to understand they have a sin nature. We're a fallen creation. That's why God gave Jesus. We don't have to teach kids bad things. They just come to them naturally. 
And that's why God gave them parents. That's why we have such an important role. We are born with tendencies. That's written up in the scriptures. Here's another verse for you, Romans 5.12. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Go back to Proverbs again. This time Proverbs 29, 15, and 17. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame on his mother. Verse 17, correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. That word rebuke means to reprimand. It means to turn back. It means parents follow through on what they have said immediately. There's no begging the child to behave. There's no, do you want me to count? And then the parent counts to 10. Well, that's just saying to the child, I'm going to delay. I don't, don't really know if I mean what I'm saying. I don't want you to be absolutely certain that you know what I mean. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no in all things. We need to get on the problems at an early age and get on them immediately. These scriptures that I've given you this morning are about an immeasurable love that will not let a child go wild. God requires strict discipline. He requires strict discipline, but not by abusing a child. And don't any one of you think that these scriptures, where it says about, about corporal punishment, about punishing the child, using the rod, do you think for a moment, do you really think God's word, the word of the eternal God who has created the whole world, do you really think the word of that God would instruct you to abuse your child? Absolutely not. But it is telling you, mom and dad, you better get their attention and you better get it early. It does tell us to be very controlled, to be very aware of what's going on in us so that we do not abuse our children. Occasionally, Your pastor for education and discipleship got spanked. As well as his four siblings. And I hated that. I just absolutely hated doing that. But they had to know 
that dad meant what he said. It's absolutely critical. Don't beg children to behave. We'll rue the day that we do that. Now the other thing that we need to take a look at here this morning is that including you and me, God will discipline all of us. God will discipline all of us. The scripture for that is Hebrews 12, 7 to 8. Hebrews 12, 7 to 8. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons or as with his children. For what son is there a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. In the high schools around us, there are gangs. Are you aware of that? York has gangs of young people. And they are not clubs. They are vicious. They are angry. And they will hurt you. Psychologists and sociologists have studied gangs. And the most recent, <clears throat> the most recent reports are very, very telling about why young people join gangs. Young people find acceptance and self-worth and even accountability, which they are not getting at home. Gangs provide a sense of self-esteem. Sounds ludicrous to you and me. But when you read the reports, when you plumb their depths, God help us, they make sense. Young people find acceptance and self-worth. And this one, this one really shakes me. And even accountability. They aren't getting at home. Gangs provide a sense of self-esteem. Christian families are so important. The Christian home is the most significant location in our nation. Our politicians, our elected officials are not going to turn the course of our nation around to righteousness. It will be in the homes of the nation where the nation will be redeemed if it's going to be redeemed. 
Beloved in Christ, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Scriptures, must be the facts of life in your home. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I thank you for your word, eternal, made certain and sure in Jesus. Bless us with understanding of this word, a desire to have it at the center of our thinking and applied daily in our homes. We thank you, O oh God, we praise you for the privilege of, of children, of, of having them as your gift to us. Oh God, for those who are parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, may the preciousness of the life of our children and youth be this morning impressed upon us again that we who are the church, your people, will be those people everywhere we go. Fill our lives, the words of our teaching, how we interact with one another, and especially the young, with your love. Help us to understand that you are jealous of us, that you want nothing to hurt us and destroy us, and that therefore we who know what righteousness is are responsible for leading and teaching your truth, your way, the preciousness of life to the young that you give us. O Holy Spirit of God, lead, guide, counsel, direct us all in that holy purpose. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.